This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 4, Episode 9. On this episode, I'm speaking with Wendy Conklin of Chair Whimsy. Wendy is one of the most creative people I have ever met. You take one look at her website and her socials and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. Wendy is a chair designer and an educator, and after having been lucky enough to work with Wendy on the photographs for her recent book, I knew that I needed to have her on the show to talk about the importance of playing, which is something we so often deny ourselves, which is kind of ironic because we're artists, and I wanted Wendy to talk about how play fuels creativity. I learned so much during our conversation, and I cannot wait for you to hear from Wendy. Quick administrative note. You might remember that at the bottom of the previous episode, number eight, that I said the next episode would be focused on how to turn off work so you can be more present in your life outside of work. But after my conversation with Wendy, I felt like this one needed to be moved up in the queue. So we're just swapping the order around the how to turn off work episode that's going to drop next week. And I realized the only way that you would probably notice that small change is if you're binging episodes, maybe during a long car ride or a long run. But I wanted to say it anyways so that you didn't wonder if you'd missed an episode. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. Okay, guys, I am so excited for y'all to meet the one and only Wendy Conklin. She is one of my clients, one of my favorite clients. And if you've ever seen her photos, you will know why in a heartbeat. There's just endless color, endless inspiration, and it brings her clients and her followers and basically anybody that interacts with her brand so much joy. So Wendy, I know a lot of our listeners have probably heard your name before on this show, on my Instagram. They may actually already follow you on social, but for anybody that's new to the Chair Whimsy world, can you tell folks who you are and what you do? Yes. So I'm Wendy Conklin. I'm also known as Chair Whimsy, and people do actually (laughs) call me that, and I answer to it. But I design colorful boutique-style chairs, and I teach other people how to do what I do through my online courses for upholstery and sourcing fabrics, et cetera. Yeah. And you also recently published a book titled Life Whimsy. The tagline is, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, how to work, think, and play more creatively. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And that's so that's exactly why I wanted to have you on. I've been, I've had you on my list of people that I needed to have on the show for months now. Um, And the reason I wanted to have you want to talk about this, this idea of play and creativity is because I think sometimes as artists, sometimes we can get so into our way of doing things that it can start to feel a little bit limiting. And I love that um, in your book and in like if y'all have seen the book, it is so beautiful. And it was really fun because Wendy and I got to work together. I got to be her photographer for, for the majority of that project. And so I got to see this amazing creation take place. So I'm more familiar with the contents of that book than a lot of people. So you guys will hear me mention it a lot. If you don't already have a copy, you should totally go get one. Um, but I wanted to ask you first, Wendy, how can you tell me how you became such a big fan of playing? Like where did that start for you? And how did you well let's start with that. How did how did how did that start for you? How did that love of play start? Well I think that it's really kind of like everything else that I do. Like I'm just searching for a better way of living. I am searching for more joy and happiness and contentment in my own life. And so once I kind of start going down a rabbit hole, you know, it, and, and then, you know, I realize, you know, if I just share this with other people, it'll help them too. 
And so for me, it comes from not wanting to be stressed, wanting to still enjoy what I do for my job as far as doing chairs and, you know, helping people with my online courses and things like that. Um, it, it really comes, stems from that. I think I, I don't want to not like it. You know, we've all been in jobs that we, we've kind of grown out of, or we don't like anymore because we Mm want to do something else. And a lot of that happens because we feel, uh, stress or maybe we really have kind of outgrown something, but I think a lot of it just comes from, you know, feeling discontent, overworked, overstressed. And every job has the ability to do this to us. It doesn't matter if it could look like the most amazing, joyful job in the world. (laughs) You know, I think every job can become a job, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. and there are some days where, yes, my job is a job. You know, I think we all experience that. But for me, I'm wanting, I need to play more because I want to enjoy life. I want to enjoy my job and my work. Um, I want to be a happier person. And I know that play induces more creativity, you know, in our lives. So when we take time to play, we not only kind of rejuvenate, you know, who we are, we rest, you know, we have fun, um, time stands still, you know, and it could just be like, um, I use this word and I've been told that this word means pee, but I don't think of it that way. It's <laughs> piddling. I say piddling around, you know. Yeah, but I use I, a term too. Yeah, but Australians have told me what that means. <laughs> oh, to them. okay. But um, anyway, <laughs> that was a new new term for me, but because it used to be in my book and then I had to take it out. But oh, um, <laughs> fun yeah. things that you learn on podcast interviews. Seriously, um, the feedback you get. and but But that's kind of what I think of. Sometimes playing is just piddling around, you know, outside, inside, doing whatever kind of comes to me, um, doing things that are actively feels like you're a child, like you're a kid mm-hmm. again, you know, not really having goals in mind. And when you do things like that, your brain opens up for creative ideas to flow. And that's yeah. where I get all my great ideas for my business. I mean, it is amazing, but it's actually when I decide I'm going to carve out this time to play. And trust me, it is like for people like us, you know, like we always, we've got a full calendar. We've got things that have to get done. The buck stops with us. Like we don't have a whole team of people working and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's making yourself do it. (laughs) And sometimes at the beginning of that, making yourself play, whatever play is to you, because play for you is different than play for me. Like your play may be work to me and vice versa, but we all have our own things. Right. But I think as we put ourselves in those situations to play, even if we feel guilty at first, if we just stick with it, the joy comes back and it's like, Oh, you know, we feel refreshed. We feel rested in a way, even though we played, you know, we've been doing something And so for me, it really stems from, I just want to live better. I just want to be happier, you know, and I found that by sharing my experience with others, it helps them to remind them to do it too. So that, that was kind of the, the instigator for writing my book is realizing, Mm -hmm. okay, this, these experiences and these things I know about creativity and about play and about joy can help other people too to live better lives. 
Have you read the book Rest by Alex Pang? No, I haven't. I need to. It is so good. It's like um, so my two probably my two favorite and most read books are Deep Work and Rest. And oh. a lot of people think that um, he says this in the book Rest that people think and regard work and rest as the uh, as yin and yang as two opposites, but actually that rest and deep work are the crest and trough of the same wave. That you cannot do good deep work without having rested well, but that rest isn't just the absence of action, that sometimes rest is active rest. It's taking your brain like, okay, my workday is over, but like it's not necessarily re- – I mean, how rested do you feel after you sit there and just like scroll through your phone for 45 minutes? I don't feel rested after that. I might I mm-hmm. might feel less physically tired, but my brain does not feel as though it's been poured into. And so he talks about the idea of active rest. And it's a lot like what you're talking about, of finding another way or or another activity to engage in that uses a completely different part of your brain because it then gives rest to the portion of your brain that's maybe typically focused on answering emails or selling courses or working for brand, brand photography clients to then focus on something else. And so you're still resting by giving that part of your brain some time off but it's not just an absence of action. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like a disruption is what you're doing. And yes. so when you disrupt the way that you're normally thinking, because I think we're probably all on that autopilot. I've got to get work done. There's things to do, checking off my list, you know, trying to get to the next thing. But when you disrupt that and you make yourself do something that would be like play, you know, enjoyment, something that you enjoy, something that brings you pleasure, something even that I would say puts you, um, it's kind of like risk taking where you try new things that you're not necessarily great at, you know, but you're willing mm-hmm. to put yourself out there and try something new, like take a painting class or whatever. We did this at Thanksgiving. We did all this, my family went and did a painting class together (laughs) and I'm terrible. Okay. I am terrible at that. And I know I am, (laughs) but I just go with a playful attitude, you know, and I just walk into it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, do something a little different. And it's good to challenge yourself in those ways, because again, that's another disruptor to what we normally do, which is our brain is always like, especially as entrepreneurs, right? We're always thinking, okay, what's the next thing? What do I need to be working on? What's, you know. And how does it tie into my job? Like how is it directly related? Right. So when you disrupt and you say, no, I'm going to, you know, goof off. (laughs) You know, if you think about it like that, it's like, oh, wait, hold on you know, goofing off. Like, is that okay? Mm -hmm. But your brain, Mm -hmm. like you, you really, as a person, as a human being, we need that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's very important. So this is fantastic because this leads into my next question. What would you say to someone, I don't know, like me, who at times, especially when you're pressed, you know, it it almost feels irresponsible to take time to play like oh my gosh i'm i'm slammed i have all these deadlines or i've got all of this busy work maybe taking time to do something creative or playful could even feel selfish because we've convinced ourselves that if it isn't immediately relevant to the task at hand that it's not important what would you say to somebody like that yeah i think sometimes uh many of us need like a scheduled time to play to goof off to blow off you know to to do whatever you know um And I would say that I would omit being on our phones. Like I would say if we could go back to the 1980s, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, you know, and like in in 90s, you know, I was a young adult. And 
Like we didn't have cell phones back then. We didn't have anything like that. Now the computers were coming out. I remember playing solitaire on the computer. It's a crazy, <laughs> but that was a real thing. You know, that was like a big, big thing. Like that was the first addiction. I think we all started feeling to technology was playing solitaire on our computer. Mahjong. I remember my mom playing Mahjong endlessly. Yeah. Crazy. But like, if we could go back to the time before that, what did we do? You know, I mean, like you weren't alive at that time, but (laughs) I mean, but like, if, if I could, I think back to that and I'm like, okay, you know, um, like I, I was, uh, for me as a mother, you know, my girls are now young adults, but as a mother, like I was really into not what other parents were into. I was into my girls need to be bored. They need Mm. to figure this out on their own. I'm not going to entertain them. I'm not going to let them be in a gazillion things. Like I, I always bucked the system because I felt that boredom and kids just playing around, goofing off. I, I really felt that was so important. So I think that for us, because we're, we're busy I think you've got to schedule it in. And I would say, listen, if it can only be for 15 or 30 minutes, like if you Mm -hmm. could make a commitment, you know, like, you know, we know our business coach does what she calls sacred time in the morning and it's a couple hours long. It could almost be your sacred play, sacred play time, (laughs) you know, every day and schedule it in. Even if it's 15 minutes, I think there is something about that that can really open the doors because yes, you are crunching down your time. You're not going to have as much time to work, but I do believe that the creative ideas are going to pay off in the end. And you may not get a creative idea one day when you're playing, but your brain is like, I believe your brain kind of stores these things up (laughs) because Mm -hmm. when that, when you need the ideas, it's going to be there for you and it's going to pop. You know, we know this happens when you're in the shower, when you're on a run, when you're in your car with the radio off and mm-hmm. you just let your brain wander, you know, it's, that's when those creative ideas start coming back. And I think that that all ties into, we've taken time to play and to be happy. You know, mm-hmm. if we keep going a hundred miles an hour, like we are, we don't take the time. We know what's going to happen. We know burnout yeah. is going to happen. So, like, how how bad do you want to avoid burnout? You know, and yeah. and I and I do think like it doesn't have to be like you got to spend hours or a full day doing this, but making sure that you carve out some time to do it. I love that idea of scheduling it in. Like, mm-hmm. I typically regard it. And this is, I mean, this is what people do with self-care. This is what yeah. people do with exercise. Like, oh, well, if I have time when when everything is else, when everything else is done, if I have time left over, then I will pick up the, my pencils and start drawing again or pull out my watercolors or go for a run or whatever. Um, but have you ever seen the Stephen Covey, uh, like, it's like three or four minutes long. It's a video where he's got this glass jar and he's got a box the the bucket of what he calls big rocks which are like your main commitments in life and then there's medium-sized rocks and then there's which are like pebbles that you would find in the bottom of a a fishbowl and then there's a a a bucket of sand and he illustrates that if you put the sand in first and then the pebbles and then you try to fit the big rocks into it you cannot fit them into the jar but if you start with the big rocks your main commitments and if being 
fueled creatively is a commitment of yours that you prioritize that by carving out time in your schedule first and then you pour the other stuff in around it. And the other stuff is your day-to-day like, oh, I need to check email or I need to go to the groceries. Like those things will find a way to fit in around the others because they have to. Right. But if you leave the important stuff as a last resort, then it gets what's left of your energy instead of the best of your energy, which which means that it doesn't ever have the, the, the full effect because you're not giving it the priority that it needs if you want to see the results. Right. I, I firmly believe 100% and I sign my books this way, you know, the key to happiness and more joy in our lives is through creativity. It is through being a more creative person. And being a more creative person is something you can learn. It's something that you can grow in yourself, but you have to intentionally do it. It doesn't just happen. And when you are a more creative person in your personal life, it's going to flow into your business. I mean, you can't help it. Like we're, we're kind of all mishmashed you know, together. And so I, I, I 100% believe that creativity is the key, you know, to being more fulfilled in our jobs, to living a happier life, but it's, but we have to carve it out. We've got to carve out time to do it. It's got to be a priority. That's encouraging to hear you say that you believe that you can learn to be a more creative person. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm one of those people that tends to be like, oh, well, if that's not a natural gifting of mine, then I'm never going to be good at it. Like you, how many times have you and I talked about Instagram reels? I'm like, it's just, it's not my thing. And you're like, you have to do it and you have to like, and you can learn by doing, but like, for example, like you, your, your home, I'm, you guys can't see, but I can see Wendy on video. Her home is so beautiful. I mean, I know because I've been there in person. Was it four times now we've had four yeah. shoots? Um, <laughs> we've got number five coming up in a couple of months. Yep. But Wendy's entire home is this like playground of color and joy and pattern mixing. And I look at that and I say, I could never do that because I'm just not inclined that way. And I wonder how much of that is just a a limiting belief. Like that's not to say that my home will ever look like Wendy's because I don't necessarily like, I don't want to be a second rate version of Wendy, but I wonder if I were committed to having, let's say more color or more patterns in my life that like, is that something through the practice of play that I could learn how, learn for that to feel more intuitive? Do you think people can? Absolutely. Like I didn't grow up like this. Like I didn't come out of my mother's womb, like being able to do this, like, right. And like when I started doing chairs 11 years ago, I didn't know what I was doing. I just played around with fabric. Like I tried different things and I used different samples and I put them together. Sometimes I would do entire chairs and then, you know, I was like, do I like this? I don't know. And then sometimes I'd redo the chair because I didn't like it. But like all of that is practice, you know, it's practice, practice, practice. Because what, like, tell people what you did before you became a chair stylist with your life full of this riot of color and pattern. I first was a teacher. Um, I taught elementary and some middle school classes. And, um, and then I started writing books and became an educational consultant. So I would travel around train teachers and school districts. They buy my book from the publishing company I was working for. And I would go train them on how to do these certain techniques. I wrote readers for kids. I wrote teacher lesson plans, you know, professional development books. I mean, you name it, I wrote it for the company. Um, And so I would travel around training teachers, but my passion has always been, and my master's is in gifted education, right? So I worked a lot with gifted kids And that really helped me to understand how to write for students to learn how to be better thinkers. 
critical mm. thinking skills, creative thinking skills. These were very important to me. And I wrote several books on them and I would train teachers in how to teach their students these things because they, there are ways that we can train our brain to be more creative, to think more critically, right? It's about practice. And, um, and so, and I cover some of that in my book, Life Whimsy too, uh, but most of the techniques I talk about in there, I kind of switched it up and changed it so that it could work for adults, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, those, that's kind of my background. And so learning to do what I do now, here's the fun part is like, there's still room to grow. Like I've never arrived. It's always a challenge, like the next project, like, okay, let's figure this out. What looks good together. And like, so I think in color patterns, fabrics, chairs, wallpaper, you know, this is, this is the kind of stuff I love. This is play for me. Right. So I'm pretty lucky that most of my job can feel like play, although it doesn't always. Okay. So I'm not, don't be, <laughs> don't be <laughs> fooled into thinking that because some days it is work. Right. But, um, but the more I, more projects I do, the more projects I do around my house, the more chairs I do, the more client orders that I do and tackle, or just, you know, like right now I am designing some chairs that are based on Taylor Swift's 10 yes. albums. Okay. So this is a lot of fun. And so this is hard. Okay. This is very hard. So I am taking her 10 albums and I'm doing one chair for each album. And your it, folklore one was my favorite for sure. Yeah. So, and so I am figuring out from her music and the way she wrote the albums, the songs that are on there, the style, the vibe that she gets off. I am doing an interpretation on a chair of what that looks like to me. Mm -hmm. And this has been the most fun project. And I got to say, one of the most stressful projects too, because it's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of figuring mm -hmm. out, okay, how am I going to represent Fearless? How am I going to represent her original album? You know, the OG, mm -hmm. um, you know, what does... Uh, the really hard one right now is Red. That's my favorite album of all. I don't know yet what that looks like. Although it'd be really great if I could put a red scarf on there, you know, or something. Yeah. You know, but I remember I, you were talking about that at Mastermind Week back in, yeah. in November. And like we were kind of popcorning ideas around the table. So the fact that you're still noodling on it gives me hope that like, okay, Wendy's not a total savant. She doesn't always come up with like the perfect no. idea right away. <laughs> no, not at all. And so that's, but that's the fun of it is that, I think we thrive as humans on challenges, things that are not out of reach, but they're still hard. Like we still have to reach, we still have to grow. And so that's why I'm loving this project because it is stretching me in new ways. It's uncomfortable sometimes, but I do not have any fear at all that I will not be able to figure it out. Yeah. Because when the right idea comes to me, it's like the light bulb goes on and I'm like, that's it. And I know, and I execute it. You know, mm -hmm. and so that's the way it works with all my chair designs. But these right here is interesting because I, I'm not working for a client. I'm mm -hmm. using my own, I am digging deep into creative ideas. Like basically I can do whatever the heck I want to do on these chairs, you know, but I just need to rationalize why it says midnights to me, you know, or folklore yeah. to me or whatever. And so that's the, the fun part about creativity is that there's no limit. There's no ceiling. Like you can go 
and just keep going and going and going and learning and getting better and better and better at what you do. And it all comes from putting yourself in these situations. So I have put myself in this situation for 10 months now, um, releasing a new chair every month for 10 months, counting down the 10 albums. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun, but it's work and it stretches and it's a challenge and it's rewarding. It's all of that. Yeah, I think you quoted what is it? It's Chick sent me high. Mikhail Chick sent me high. Is uh-huh. that how you say it? Uh, Chick um, sent me high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was it. He who published the study on deliberate practice. I'm not sure. Maybe uh, it may not have been him, but I know Cal Newport talks about it in Deep Work. But the the, the concept of deliberate practice is how some of the most elite musicians be, get to where they are. It isn't that they necessarily put in three times as many hours of practice. It's that the practice that they do put in is deliberate and it's difficult and it pushes them past. There's like a certain threshold. It's like 10 to 15%. I'm, I'm probably misquoting that, but like 10 to 15% past what their comfort zone is, yeah. but that there's also feedback loops built into it. So yeah. Like the feedback loop with a piece of music is, did you get the notes right? Like right. if yes, then you're doing well. If no, do it again. And with you, like the, the feedback loops there are – I mean, wh- what are those feedback loops for you? Well, I mean, it's looking at the piece and deciding, is this right? I mean, like I, when I get out to get out there, I'm about to do my next one, um, my next chair. I am – I've got this idea in my head of what I want and how I think I want it to go. But once I get into the process, it kind of all starts coming together. And then I realize, oh, no, I'm going to admit that, omit that part because mm-hmm. this way seems better. And so it is, for me, everything's very visual. So, like, I can ju- start judging when I start seeing things. Is it coming together the way I thought? Maybe it's going to turn out better than I thought. Or yeah. maybe I need to tweak this or omit something that I thought I was going to use and decide, nope, I'm not going to. So. I mean, I think part of that feedback loop is my own criticism and judgment in a very good way. Because that's, Mm -hmm. you know, after you have all your ideas of brainstorming, when you go to execute something, you start eliminating certain things so that you can get to the core of the best Mm -hmm. of what you've come up with, right? And then part of the feedback loop also is what other people think. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like I can't, I'm not going to change my mind about what I think. Like I, at the end of a project, I need to feel a big capital Y-E-S. Yes, this Mm -hmm. is it. Like I know it is. And then I'm ready to release it. And then I know the judgments of other people. They love it. Oh, this is my favorite. So, I mean, and plus my audience is so nice. Neither, none of them are going to (laughs) be mean or rude or they're just the sweetest. I'm very lucky that I have such a great following on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, where I, I have very nice people, you know, so they're, yeah. they're going to be kind, but there's a lot of affirmation there from people who, oh my gosh, this is amazing, or, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how much does, um, does your audiences, like, do you, do you take a look at the metrics of the amount of engagement on a reel or on a reveal post, and like, does that not necessarily influence you for your next chair, but does that I don't know. How, how how does that factor into things? It really doesn't because Instagram – That's refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Instagram is just a weird beast, right? Like some mm-hmm. days the Instagram gods shine down on you and everyone sees your posts. <laughs> and then other days, like nobody sees it. And I, on purpose, 
don't let that bother me. Like I never okay. hide my engagement. I know some people do and it's not, that's not wrong or right to do. It's, it's for me, I'm not going to do it because I'm, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I am going to continue to put out content because that is my job. I am a content creator and my content is meant to inspire everyone. So that's mm-hmm. what I want more than anything is to inspire. And I hope it'd be great if the Instagram gods were happy with me every day and decided, oh yeah, we're going to show this reel to everyone. Including you know? Taylor Swift. I know, like that's the big <laughs> goal, right? Um, but I mean, I don't let it bother me. I don't let it get to me because I know the long game is going to pay off. Like eventually mm-hmm. the long game pays off. And I think the people who see my posts each day are the ones who need to see it. I'm mm-hmm. there to serve my audience. And so some days a lot are going to see it and some days they aren't. And sometimes there is no rhyme or reason. I've done everything right and still it tanks. That just happens. You know, it yeah. just happens. I don't let it bother me. That doesn't get to me at all. I think the thing that's inspiring to me when I watch you on social media, it inspires me to want to do better, is seeing you put in your reps, how regular you are about showing up for your audience and putting out reels. And like, you know, I mentioned earlier, we talked about reels at the November Mastermind and you showed me if we hadn't mentioned, we are in the same mastermind, by the way, mm-hmm. um, but that you showed me the the process that you use and it's so straightforward. It's easy to replicate each day. And that's not to say that it's easy to be regular about showing up on social media, but that you're just committed to being there, to showing up and serving your people in such a daily way that it really gives someone like me no excuse when I'm like, I have thousands of photos in my portfolio that like even if I don't feel like I have something groundbreaking to say that it's still worth showing up because there are people out there who might need to see it who've who've never seen it or never heard that message before. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have received messages, DMs on Instagram and emails from people who have told me that they look for my posts every day because they suffer from depression and it helps them. And mm-hmm. that is a responsibility. Like all you got to do is just be, be there and be consistent. You do not know the people that you will touch. You have no idea what people are going through and who needs to hear your message, who needs to see your post. And so I don't care if my post gets very little likes or views. If, if, it, if it helps one person, then I'm there for it. And that's yeah. what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be committed to it. So I've really taken away the pressure and sting to feel like I'm achieving at Instagram. My goal is to be consistent, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I do the best I can, uh, but I'm, I'm going to be consistent. And I'm going to, I'm going to inspire others. So that's, I just take the sting out of it, you know? <laughs> well, it's like even, and I know, sorry, we're getting a little off track here, but I, this is something that you are so good at that like, and you don't overcomplicate it. Like when we were in Guilford, Connecticut, was it last summer or maybe it was the summer before you went on a walk one morning? We were we were in Connecticut for a Mastermind CEO week and you went on a walk one morning and you saw some cute houses and you just like took a video while you were walking past the houses and then you did a voiceover and you're like, I was on my walk this morning and look at these adorable houses in Connecticut that I just saw. And then you posted it as a real. And I have no idea what the engagement was, but I'm like, I am overcomplicating this. Like Wendy yeah. is building a brand with 
simple videos like this that people connect with like, oh my gosh, those are, those are super cute houses. Like, oh, my house looks like that. Or, oh my gosh, that's my house. I think you had someone one time that responded mm-hmm. that was their house. And, and just that I tend to put, it's, it's an all or nothing mindset of, well, if it doesn't go viral, then it's a failure. And you're just like, no, put in your reps. If you're thinking about going to the gym, every day doesn't have to be a PR day. Like you're you're building cardio, you're building muscle. Like the important thing is showing up. You don't have to get a gold star every time you show up. Every day doesn't have to be your best day ever. But if you show up, you're already winning. Right. I mean, that's the thing. And you can't go viral if you haven't been showing up. Like yeah. the more you show up, the better the chance of being viral, you know, going viral yeah. with, with a, one of your posts, one of your reels, a story, getting crazy engagement. I mean, you just have to put in the time and, and the stats will be there at some point. It's going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. and I've had it happen, you know, at very lucky times, actually, you know, when I'm posting about people getting on my wait list for my upholstery courts, or, I mean, like I've had some of those go viral and I'm like, holy crap, I could not have picked a better one to go viral. <laughs> And I had no control over it. It just happened, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's what's just so fun to kind of sit back and think, oh, I'm so glad they they liked me that day. Yeah. You (laughs) You like me. You really like me. (laughs) I know. Sally Fields. (laughs) So, okay. So then how can the overachievers in the room, like me, relieve themselves of the need to be good at whatever they're playing with. Like moving back to the the creativity sphere, moving away from social media. If we're going to play, how can we enter not the arena? How can we enter the playground and like not need to be the one who swings the highest on the swings or goes the fastest down the slide? How can we release the need to achieve and just enjoy? Okay, so I think first of all, your first step is to pick things to play that you just like. Things okay. that you don't ever let yourself do. Like, you know, you want to do them, but you're like, I don't have time. You know, those things. And we all have them, right? And that's what I would say first on your list is to schedule in a time to do some things that you love, you know you love, but you never make time for. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, do that. And then once you get that down and you start scheduling that in, maybe 15, 30 minutes a day or maybe an hour a week, however it works for you. Um, then start sprinkling in here and there, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations to learn something new, to take those, be a risk taker, right? And it could be playful things that you're not sure if you're going to like or not, but you're going to stretch yourself. Like you put yourself in those situations to stretch and that also builds your creativity. So I would say those things are sprinkled in. Because you don't want to do something like that every day that you're going to dread, right? But but yeah. there are times where you need to, if you really want to learn something, you've got to realize you're going to be a beginner, you know, and it's okay to be a beginner and it's okay to not be good at something. If you really just love doing it, you know, yeah. um, let yourself have that joy. But I'd say start right there. Start with the things that like, here's an example. I have a swimming pool in the backyard and it's not heated. Okay. So I've got to wait for the summer to heat it up. If you'd like to see said swimming pool, <laughs> check out the back of Wendy's book. <laughs> yeah. There's pictures of me in it. Um, but so I always have wanted to get in the pool every morning with my coffee. Like I've dreamed of this. We've been in this house 13 years now. 
And last summer, I finally got so mad at myself for not letting myself do the things I love. And of course, I had just written the book and it had just come out. And I thought, okay, I need to be a good example to my audience of this. So I promised uh, a mutual friend, I, I promised her, I said, starting June 1st, because I knew the water would be semi-warm and I could stand it, <laughs> um, I will start getting in every morning with my coffee and doing that because I love it. I want to do it instead of starting the morning off like, oh, I got a million things to do. I don't have time for that. That's, that's how I've always lived, right? Okay. And so I decided no. And I would get in with my coffee. And then I started taking short little videos, just a minute, talking to my audience saying, hey, this is the pool talk. And I told them why I was doing this. And I had so many people reaching out to me after that, like, oh my gosh, I need to start doing things like this. Mm-hmm. And um, I did it all summer long. I did it till mid-September. And then it was like, eh, too, too cold. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I stopped. But it was such a good practice. I think I only missed like two days during the whole time uh, that I was here at home. I only missed two days. And I think I had an early doctor's appointment and something else. I couldn't make it. Maybe it was raining one morning and uh, th- like thunderstorming. So I couldn't get in. Um, so I went every day and I just made it a practice. And I would sit there and just look around at my yard. I was growing flowers from seeds. I could see them sprouting up. I just, and I just took it in. It was almost like a meditation practice for mm. me. And yet it was play because I'm in the water. I'm relaxing. I'm drinking my coffee. I'm just thinking, letting my mind wander. That is something I have always wanted to do, and I never let myself do it until last summer. Why do you think you didn't let yourself do it? Because I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. I'm too, I have too much to do. And I scheduled it in every okay. day. It was non-negotiable. I bought a bunch of swimsuits, and I, <laughs> I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to get in every day. And I mean, like, gosh, and I can't tell you, I had so many good ideas that came to me, too, uh, because of taking that practice every day. So it did boost my creativity just by me piddling around in the swimming pool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love – so did you get up earlier in order to do it or you just said, I, like, I'm going to start my workday a little bit later? I'm going to – this is important. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I was so much happier when I did that even though I got yeah. less done. I got less done because I was taking that time out, but I was just so much happier. Yeah. You know? So it really made such a difference. I'm so glad I did it. Don't regret that at all. Yeah. Do you feel like play needs to be shared in order to be fully enjoyed? Or is that something that we can do on our own without the pressure of needing to figure out how it fits into an existing brand? Because pretty much everybody who listens to this podcast has a business. Right. Yeah. No, I think definitely can be done alone. It should be the things that you love. You know, Mm -hmm. things for your husband that he likes that are play aren't going to be always play for you. I mean, when you can find common things, it's always great to do it with others. But I think just setting those boundaries of I'm going to do things that I love, that I want, that make me happy and joyful, you know, um, because you, you don't want to continue working and it to be a drudge and it to be a burnout, Mm -hmm. you know, by the end of the year. I mean, because that is going to happen. And I guarantee you happiness is not overrated, you know, Mm -hmm. and doing these little things like this, like playing, will increase your happiness exponentially and make you happier in your work too. It really does. And I mean, just by me sharing that with my audience, there is content right there. Like I'm already 
bringing work into my play, but it's fun because I'm enjoying myself, you know, and I've done that. I think even with so much of my brand, like I've always wanted a greenhouse. And so I finally Mm -hmm. built one during 2020. um, And it's so beautiful. I know using all these reclaimed things. And I decided, oh, I guess I need to share this, you know, and, but it was playing. It was me figuring out, oh, how am I going to decorate this? What am I going to do for the outsides? And, you know, and that was a big part of play for me. And it's become a part of my brand. It's just really yeah. great greenhouse. And, you know, my car is a part of my brand. You know, it's a floral beetle. <laughs> you know, it's I mean, so just, cute. I mean, thinking about things like this, it sets up our environment to set us up to play and to yeah. have a good time. And I think that that whatever that means for everyone, because it means something different for people have different uh, desires and things they love. But I think by setting yourself up for that, it's very easy to include it into your brand because if you are your brand, that's everything you love is probably part of your brand too, you know? Yeah. So I think it's super easy to do. Do you follow Riley Sheehy? I don't think so. She is a watercolor artist. She's one of my clients and she um, she's based here in the Northern Virginia area. And she like some of her biggest collaborations with like household name brands have come about because of her play. So a couple, a few years ago, she started painting Christmas ornaments just for fun. And then she had all these people request like, oh, I'd actually love to buy them. So now she's selling these ornaments, like limited edition hand-painted ornaments for hundreds of dollars at Christmas. And then uh, this company over the moon came over, came along and was like, hey, we'd actually like to do a collaboration with you where you create a limited series of these ornaments for us and we're going to sell them on our site. And so what began as play turned out to be a profitable business decision for Riley. And I see that with you with mm-hmm. these I, like who knows where the Taylor Swift chair Cheris series is going to lead. But like it could be the thing that introduces your next big idea. You didn't start off with it with the right. intention for that. But that when we do allow ourselves to play that it it can influence our work in really beautiful ways. I when I was a wedding photographer, I haven't photographed a ballerina, oh my gosh, since like the beginning of COVID, but like for years, like seven years, I had this ballerina series that I'm not ready to walk away from yet. But that when I started photographing ballerinas, it was simply a way to connect with all of those years that I spent in the ballet studio, but it began to change my work as a wedding photographer and it influenced my brand. And then it started to influence the kind of brides that were drawn to me. And then I found myself with all of these brides who used to be pre-professional and professional dancers who wanted pictures with their point shoes and their bridal shoes and their, on their wedding day. And it, it started to shape the brand in a way I never could have anticipated and was never my intention but I'm so glad I shared that ballerina series because of the way that it changed and transformed things for me moving forward. So like it doesn't have to tie – whatever you're doing to play, it doesn't have to tie into your business, but it might and it could yeah. and like to not shut yourself off to that possibility. Yeah. I mean my whole brand started off from me playing. Like I was an educational consultant. I took some upholstery courses because I just wanted to learn you know, just for fun. It was never – a thought in my mind that that would be a business ever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just got into it and I started doing it. I was like, oh, I'll just see if I can sell some chairs, you know, just for fun. You started out on Etsy, right? On Etsy. I'm still there. And and I was like, <laughs> just for fun, I'll just do it. And lo and behold, in two weeks, I sold my first chair. And then they just started, people started coming to me for custom orders. And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, I think I like this. And then it started loving that less and, and loving my other job less. And, you know, I mean – it started out with play. And mm-hmm. so I never intended my business to be what it is. 
it was all about just playing and having some mm-hmm. fun and learning something new. And I mean, you know, I think we just, and there are lots of things I'm going to play and do that won't become a business, but it enriches my life. It enriches mm-hmm. my creativity. So everything is going to be bonus, <laughs> bonus material for you. It's going to be beneficial to you as a person and it very well might benefit your business too. Yeah. So. Okay. So do you have any advice for introducing new levels of creativity into existing work? Like maybe I want to, maybe I'm photographing for a repeat client and I want to expand how I'm thinking about their shot list so that I don't just come back and shoot more of the same thing. I want to push the envelope with their next session. Do you have any, I know you talk about this in the book, but for anyone that doesn't have the book, could you give us an example of an exercise that would help someone like me to think more expansively to source ideas from new places that I haven't thought of before? Well, I do think practicing brainstorming is key to coming up with new ideas, especially when you are pressed for, okay, I've got to come up with something new. It's not just like you're waiting for a good idea to drop into your head. Um, And so when you're in that kind of situation, personally, I love this. And this is me because I was a teacher, but I like using chart paper and I like using smelly markers, (laughs) you know, the, (laughs) the ones that smell like chocolate and strawberry and cherry, you know. But color, because color stimulates me. So this is how I do it. But I start by just doing a brainstorm on paper. And it's a big brain dump, basically. It's, okay, you know, photo shoot, you know, in the middle, you know. And then it would be like, okay, what do I, what would be crazy, you know. And I come up with crazy ideas. I list everything out. And some Mm -hmm. things start tag teaming off of each other. You know, I think of it like a web where there's a central idea and then we have these stems coming off of it like a spider legs, you know, and then other ideas come off of those. And, and then I let myself just put down anything I want. I don't judge it. You know, I just Mm -hmm. put it down if I've thought about it. And like, if you can time yourself, like give yourself a 10 minute timer to force the creative ideas and sit there with no distractions, phones, not on laptops, not open. I mean, like you are concentrated in the zone. Um, And then once your ideas are there and your time is up, walk away and put that chart paper up where you're going to see it every day as you're passing by, because you'll cross off some things. You might add some things to it. Oh yeah. This, oh, these two things connect. Maybe we could do, do it this way. And mm-hmm. then once you get these ideas out, I would say the next best thing then is talking to other people about your ideas because okay. then they're going to have some good ideas based on what you've already given them. Like, this is what I'm thinking, but we could do this or that. And then let other people piggyback off of those ideas. And that is one way to really come up with some great um, amazing, creative things that you wouldn't have thought about had you not forced yourself to brainstorm. Yeah. I like that idea of putting it somewhere that you can see and then letting it sit and like cook in the back of your mind for yep. a few days. Because when I, you know this, like I will send, I, I start working on my shot list before we have our strategy call, which is no later than a month before your shoot. So I've already started working on the shot list, but then I don't really finalize that until like a couple of weeks beforehand. Sometimes I'm still like jotting ideas down on the plane too. Like we got all the major stuff outlined, but I'll even add a few extra ideas on the plane. But I love the idea of writing it out on like a big post-it pad and sticking that to my wall and then just giving like serendipity the chance to work. Like I walk past it and I just watched 
I don't know, like a cool National Geographic documentary the night before. And it's like, oh my gosh, that spurred this idea. I'm like, I wouldn't have thought of that if I hadn't just seen this list of shot ideas. So I love that. Maybe maybe we'll try that for our next client. That's a great idea. Yeah. 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 It definitely helps to marinate it, you know, Mm -hmm. just by letting it sit there and just looking, seeing it. And I do Mm -hmm. that with like fabrics. I do that with paint color, you know, like I set them out where I'm going to see them for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I'm able to, over time, over several days, whittle down to the right answer, you know, of what I need to use and what's going to look best. See, so, I didn't know that about you. I thought you just like whipped out the fabrics in your in your studio and are like, this is Wendy's selection and like, that's it. I didn't realize that you give yourself like several chances to see it and let like, oh, yeah. let your eyes adjust and yes. that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that way, you the best ideas will always come, you know, when you give it some time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wendy, this has been amazing. I'm so excited for our listeners to hear this episode. Before we go, can you tell people, first of all, tell them what's coming up in the next few weeks for the Cheer Whimsy World. So let's start with that. Yep. Okay, so uh, my DIY upholstery course for beginners is about to open again, and uh, I've got a lot of great, amazing, brand new bonuses that I'm offering, like how to turn your hobby into a business, um, and uh, how to navigate spoon flower to find the very best fabrics for your chairs and things like that. So I have that coming up. Um, I will be releasing a brand new Taylor Swift chair at the beginning of every month, leading all the way up to July. Yeah. So, um, that's going to be, that's happening at the beginning of every month. I always do a YouTube and a blog on it as well to kind of show the design process behind the scenes. Um, and so, and I think I'm probably going to be doing a Chera's tour party at the end of May. So, or sometime during May. So, um, anyway, I'll have all the chairs done and uh, even before they're released, they get to see the ones that haven't released yet and probably do a big bang up party at my house. So it'll be a lot of All of this is leading into the fact that you and your daughters are going to see her in Amsterdam. Is that right? In Amsterdam on July 4th. Yep. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. so excited for you. Yeah. Um. Well, where else can people connect with you if they want to find your book and if they want to follow you online? Yeah. So um, you can go to my website, chairwhimsy.com. My book will pop up right there on the front page. Um, and if you want to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, I am at, at chairwhimsy. And uh, I'm on Pinterest and uh, YouTube as well. So you can find me there. Wendy is more relevant than me. She has the best content. Just go follow her. It's a daily (laughs) dose of joy. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for having me, Abby. Coming up in the next episode, we will finally be talking about practical, tactical ways to turn off work outside of your office hours in order to be more present for that life you've been working to provide for. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?